I'm always excited about my guests, but today I'm super excited because I've known this guy for a while. He's um, not a bad golfer, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, he's an actor, a comedian, prominent stand-up appearances, extensive film credits. Um, and actually, it's noted that he's emerged as one of the most popular and funniest comedians to ever come out of Boston. I would actually beg to differ and say that it's the funniest comedians to come out of anywhere. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but uh, although Boston's a good thing, um, a lot of you maybe have seen him on the improv across the country, comedy store, flappers, the Laugh Factory, pretty much anywhere across the nation that he uh, wants to be. Everybody, Jackie Flynn. Welcome, my friend. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Nice yeah. You know, growing up in, in Boston, um, you know, how did it all get started for you as far as comedy goes? You know, was it a was it a family picnic or, you know, how'd that happen? Oh, God, it's such a long uh, way. Uh, you know, it's funny. When I was a kid, I always, you know, I always liked comedy. I always, you know, I loved telling, you know, jokes, me and my dad. My dad was a very funny guy. And, uh you know, my timing and delivery is probably attributed to my dad, I would say. <clears throat> but uh, he didn't want to be a comedian, but he could have been a great comedian, I think. Um, but uh, I just, you know, I used to memorize like George Carlin albums and Richard Pryor and Cheech and Chong and whoever at the time, you know, and I'm, my dad would have me do it for his buddies, you know, like he'd say, do that scene, uh, you know, Dave's not here, you know, from uh, yeah. the classic <laughs> Cheech and Chong scene, you know, I used to memorize it all. And uh, and then I went to school at the University of Miami in Florida, and um, it was 1980-ish. And uh, my uh, my my buddies from college said they had a, a talent night happening. It was actually sponsored by uh, Catch a Rising Star and Miller Lite, and it was uh, at the college uh, pub, which was the Ratskeller in Miami at the time, uh, at UM. And um, it was a bunch of, it was a talent show. It wasn't just a comedy show. It was like a guy with a, like a ventriloquist, another person playing a piano, someone with a violin. And uh, I just did some stand-up. And stand-up at that time for me just consisted of me writing a couple of things that I thought were funny and doing like Rodney Dangerfield impression, which I used to do kind of, you know. So I did that. I did about five minutes in a, at a gig that I wouldn't relish now as a professional of 35 years because it was just such a, a you know, a, a, a no-win situation. It was, you know, 200 drunken college kids at a, you know, a, a bar, right. a college bar and just, you know, rowdy and not paying attention. And, you know, oh, by the way, he's a comedian up there. I was like Muzak, you know, just uh, <laughs> kind of all, all that background up. stuff. Yeah, it just, you know, it was, you know, a band can get away with just playing and no one really, you know, everyone talking about a comedy, you know, you need to focus. So anyway, needless to say, it wasn't a great experience, but it did give me a little sense of like a feel for it. And I kind of, you know, liked it. And then I, I waited about four or five more years, and then in Boston, uh, in 1987 or so, it was uh, they had an open mic night on Sunday nights there at, at Stitches, which is a comedy club on Com Ave. And uh, I started doing comedy then at the open mic, and you know, I did well. You know, had you well packaged? Enough. Did you early on out of Miami? Did you actually? have a sense of packaging the routine and things like no, that? No, no, I just, I just knew I didn't want to ever go up on stage half cocked like that. I would watch comedy here and there. And I, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I guess it's funny. Cause I, you would have thought I would have started even earlier than I did. I wouldn't have waited that long, but looking back on it. And the only way I can uh, maybe uh, figure this out is that 
I think when I would go and see comics when I was wanting to be a comic, it was a it was a double edged sword. It was very inspiring, but at the same time, it was kind of like, oh man, I, I can never be that good, you know. And it was kind of like almost like a negative experience, like you know what I mean, kind of like, oh, you know. And yeah, and, and so I think it kept making me like delay my entry into comedy, you know. And then finally, my buddy goes, you know, there's an open mic night. Why don't you come do it? And we'll get some people. So I did. I told a bunch of people I was going, so I couldn't back out. And then I went and I did about, you know, I think you do like seven, eight minutes at a time. And I did well, you know, well enough to get invited back. And then, you know, you keep coming back and you, you sign up and they say, oh, yeah, he did good last time. Let's put this kid on. And little by little, like, you know, you get going and then you, you and then the rest is kind of history, as they say, you know, and then, then you end up. Where did you uh, where did you pull most of the, the content? And... Uh, it's just about stuff, you know, about my, my 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 parents, my family and my, you know, my life experience. And again. When the younger you start, the less life experience you have and the less shared experience you have with people, you know. And um, right. So, uh, but I do remember, you know, being excited. I got my first paid gig, and it was shortly after that. It was, if I, I think I started February of '87. So this might have been like, you know, May of '87. Uh, I, I had like uh, maybe twelve minutes of material, or whatever. And they, they asked me to go and open. And I think I opened for either Jimmy Tingle or somebody. I think it was Jimmy Tingle. And uh, this guy that booked comics booked me to go up to Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, and do a show. And, and Hampton Beach from Boston was, from where I lived, was about an hour drive. And I remember my dad, who, <laughs> you know, he wasn't the most supportive of it. He thought it was just like me picking up the drums. I'm a drummer now, you know, like whatever my my latest, uh, you know. Uh, hobby du jour was you know he would like right. think i was like just you know wasting time you know he wanted me to get into the family business and stuff and uh so i uh i, I go dad i'm getting paid 40 dollars to go to hampton beach to to say you know to do stand-up comedy and open for a, a comedian and my dad's like 40 dollars to drive to hampton beach he goes i'll give you 50 dollars to stay to hell home you know and uh so that was his uh reaction to that very supportive just like yes, the yes. carlin monologue right yeah, so then I, you know, then I started going in. You start getting more material, and then you have enough time to do, a, you know, becoming opening act and just a, a feature act, and then eventually a headliner. And then, uh, like I said, just keep, keep going in that way. But that's yeah, how it started it's, for me. It's always exciting to find out the root, the beginning. Other comedians that I've talked to were dared, um, yeah. and the, the the fun part about for me is is when I hear these stories, it's like. You got to leap out. You got to. We have a lot of people listen to this show that are just yep. inspired weekly by the yeah. success stories and the failure. Um, well, that's you know that's a good point because you know failure is very important, and people don't realize that you have to you have to fail. You know, and, and you have to you know that's what you know you can't be afraid of that because everybody fails. You know, and you just continue to fail. I mean, I I'm, I'm, I feel it's social media. I feel it all kinds of stuff. I'm just behind the curve on a lot of that stuff, and I. I don't, and some of that stuff, I, you know, I don't even put myself out for because I just really don't enjoy it. You know, I'm not good at it. I don't, the, 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 the whole process of it, you know, but when I started, I mean, we had quite a unique group of people. I literally, my, I guess you could call it class, you know, uh, my group that we started with was a lot of people that went on. And at first these guys weren't very good. I, I tried to get some of them work actually, because they were, they were behind me and, you know, now they've, they've, they've eclipsed me, but you know, guys like uh, David Cross, uh, Oh, wow. Louis C.K., um, Nick DiPaolo, uh, you know, a, a year behind me was Joe Rogan. You know, Joe came up, you know, I used to put Joe on stage when he was a young comic. And uh, oh, uh, then wow. years before him, Bill Burr, you know, Bill was just a kid that we kind of, you know, he was like a little 
you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, when you're a young comedian, you're always like trying to get stage time and you're kind of like a pain in the ass, you know, and, and Bill was, right. you know, we go, all right, Bill, wait a minute, you know, like, you know, and, and now Bill Burr is Bill Burr and uh, we're, we're buddies, you know, obviously I've known him forever. And uh, Dane Cook and all those guys used to open for us, you know, when we started out and then, and then little by little, everyone finds their way in the different routes, you know. And, uh, yeah, I remember actually being, I remember, remember actually being in, and I just went as a, a, a friend to, uh, guy named carrot top and he was in manhattan scotty scott used to make well his guy and they they would make props because i would do like i would go off yeah. the view and i would do the products that were featured on tv and we yeah. did a little shtick there were inventions that didn't quite make it didn't work and it was hilarious yeah. and i often in my mind i went wow this is cool so i went out there and jay leno showed up yeah. You know, and, and, and it was like, wow, this is crazy. But it's the core, you know, the core fundamental raw ability of a live audience, I think, with with you guys that are yeah. like, I didn't want to do it. I didn't I didn't want to. Yeah. I, I thought because I didn't mind a, an open audience, but you you obviously have parlayed your career into so many different directions. Yeah. But early on in your career, um, you were discovered by the Farley brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's. Um, to me, to me, it seems to be this, like, can you just kind of tell us about that opportunity that yeah. when that actually happened? Cause that's huge. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like what, you know, the way I've you know, met you, like we meet, we've done a lot of these celebrity golf tournaments together and uh, this was no different in 1995, June of 95. I remember it. Uh, I had come back. I was going to move to California. Um, because I, I I had won this thing at the time it was a pretty good thing it was a big thing it's it's still going on but it has, it doesn't have as much uh, notoriety anymore there used to be some big names in it but I had won the um, uh, San Francisco comedy competition which was a uh, an international comedy competition in 1994 uh, and after you know before that you know uh, I think Dana Carvey won and Robin Williams came in second one year uh, Doug Stanhope won the year after me I mean it was so a lot of guys came through there and it was a big thing I got a, an agent and a manager and you know, they said, oh, you got to move to L.A. So I was in the process of moving to L.A. And it was the summer, actually. I went back to Boston and I was moving. I was going to move to, uh, to L.A. And um, I, I was doing a stand up. I did a benefit, uh, you know, a charity golf tournament. And I was performing at it, to, you know, helping raise money for the whatever the cause was. At the time it was the Children's Hospital in Boston for actually Cam Neely, the hockey player. He has a, a, a celebrity golf tournament on Cape Cod. And lo and behold, uh, Peter and Bobby Farrelly were there who were, you know, from Rhode Island and um, uh, Cape Cod in the summertime. They grew up in, you know, going to Cape Cod in the summers. And uh, Peter Farrelly talked to me after the show and he said, oh, I really like your comedy. I get this movie. At the time they had uh, done Dumb and Dumber, but that's all they had done. And uh, they were working on the movie Kingpin. And he said, I get this new movie Kingpin I'm working on. I think this is a, a good part in there for you. And um, of course, I, I'm thinking, yeah, sure. All right. You know, I think it was right. Hollywood, you know, blowing smoke guy, you know, and sure, as, as uh, you know, often than not, Pete being Pete uh, follows through with his word and calls me up and, uh, you know, follows up with a script and calls me and says, yeah, how, you know, you know, what do you think? And I got the part and then uh, the rest again is kind of history. I just kept we became friends and I ended up doing a. Uh, a bunch of movies with them. I did all kinds of uh, punch-up writing with them. I, you know, we'd write the scripts and make them funnier and stuff. He'd, he'd hire a bunch of writers to sit around the round table and go through through the scripts and do what they call punch-up, you know, trying to make it a little funnier. I didn't know that, actually. So it's, it's it's basically just taking the script and giving it more life or different. Yeah, writers. exactly. What, what happens is you get a bunch of writers and or comics and uh, everyone reads the script on their own and makes little notes and maybe how they can 
how would you improve it? You know, like sometimes just a word is funnier than another word. And then you go page by page, you know, around, it's kind of like a round table, they call it. And, and you go, uh, you know, anyone got anything on page three? Nope. Anyone go, yeah, I got something, you know, yeah. uh, funnier if you make the dog a, a blah, 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 or this, you know, whatever. And, sure. you know, like that. How many of you have actually been thinking about a backyard makeover? Do you wish you had room for a pool? Well, you're going to love this idea and your family and friends, they're going to love it too. Get a Michael Phelps Swim Spa by Master Spas. A Michael Phelps Swim Spa combines the benefits of a pool with the therapy of a hot tub. It comes in a variety of sizes to complement almost any yard, even if it's a small backyard. Michael Phelps Swim Spas by Master Spas have a water current so you can swim, do aquatic exercises, and have fun with the kids. This will reinvent family time. The water buoyancy will relieve pressure on aching joints, and you can enjoy pure relaxation in the massage therapy seats of the swim spa. And since it's heated, you can use it year-round in any climate. Michael Phelps Swim Spas are 100% made in the USA by Master Spas, the world's largest swim spa manufacturer. You're going to love your Michael Phelps Swim Spa by Master Spas. Go to masterspas.com, put in the promo code BIGIDEA, to save $1,000 on a Michael Phelps Swim Spa or $500 on a Master Spas hot tub. That's masterspas.com, promo code BIGIDEA. You kind of, you kind of, it's like, yeah, like we did some other movies, but they actually gave you back-to-back-to-back roles. Yeah. yeah. Like between you know, and again, and something about Mary, my, me, myself, and Irene. Shallow hell, stuck on you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my favorite. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for those guys, I wouldn't have much of a career. Let's face it. But, I, uh, I don't know about that, but I just but, know that, you know, yeah. There's they, a, um, you know, Pete was, uh, you know, literally, I call him the anti-Hollywood guy because he's not full of shit. You know, he's like a real, real deal, and he's, uh, you know, a lot of these guys out here, you know, all very opportunistic and phony, and you know, they tell you anything, but they're, they're, they never follow through. And so after that making that movie i remember again clear as day i said to to pete at the rap party for kingpin i said hey i wanted to thank you for uh kind of validating the last seven years or so of my life as a stand-up you know the next one thing you'd always want to do would be a comedic actor or something like that you know and uh, i said thanks for you know uh, you know the, you know helping me along and he goes ah don't worry we'll work together a lot uh, in the future and again i'm thinking yeah okay and sure <laughs> enough like he just did whatever you just said you know so yeah, no, it, it it's it's incredible that for for I mean, I obviously talent is talent, but for production company and, and, and individuals to because yeah. I see between all that them finding a place for you, not just yeah. casting somebody, but finding the place for the talent yeah. that you can bring out. I mean, they, he kind of knows what I, my my strengths are, I guess. You know, and then you know, recently, uh, more recently, I did a TV show with Pete called Louder Milk, and it's uh, got three seasons on Amazon Prime. And uh, he had told me about it a couple of years prior to it happening, and he said, "Look, I get this thing. If it happens, is a a good guy in here. I think you'd be perfect for." And you know, he kind of my quasi wrote it in my, with me in mind, maybe. But uh, and then I ended up doing that, and uh, that was a really a fun experience because it was an ensemble. Type well, let's let's talk about that because that's kind of a few leaps forward for me. But okay, um, yeah. No, no, no. I it, it really is because meeting you and the golf circuit and the stuff that we've done in the charity events. You know, I was I was really want to know more about the the characters and the people. Yeah. And Loudermilk, you know, I actually love that show you know with your character 
because you're a recovering, you play a recovering alcoholic and a bookie. Yeah, yeah. And around yeah. in a round table not a setting. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, a it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like maybe, maybe not. Um, but you know, to me, it was like as I was preparing for this, you know, I kind of went back because I watched the show and it was just really cool. And yeah. um you know, for the longest time I watched that show and I never paid attention to the name until I realized it was the main character's last name. Yeah. And I just, I just, I thought, why would they name it Loudermilk? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It uh, is an and, odd name. I remember, what, I remember watching it too. And it turns out there's actually just in the news is a, a congressman or whatever it is. It's Loudermilk. that has been in, uh, in the news lately, I guess, which, uh, Whenever I would Google it, I would see that guy's name. I'm like, oh, well, I guess the big question there is, what was it like playing Tony Rossetti? Because yeah, uh, it's like... <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it, it was great. I mean, it, it, you know, if you watch the show, you'll see. I, I think I've, I, I got comfortable with him finally after a season or so, because it takes a while to really kind of become, I think. I mean, if you look at episode, early episodes of any sitcom, I guess, especially with comedians, but you know, look at the, uh, you know, uh, Seinfeld or everybody loves Raymond and you know it takes a while for everybody to get their uh, sea legs kind of you know and, and you get you kind of become uh, a little more uh, comfortable and conversant with the character and uh, I, I definitely see I, I, the show gets better and, and it's, you know hopefully we'll get to do more seasons they're uh, actually talking about trying to get somebody to develop more uh, produce more seasons hopefully God will oh that's hope. exciting yeah we'll see yeah one of my one of my favorites and I think a lot of people's too was the Three Stooges and yeah, you know, yeah. you because uh, the whole routine, you know, hey, Mo, hey, Mo, you know, that whole stuff that goes there. Yeah. Uh, and you you played a basically a superintendent. And yeah. if you don't mind, I don't want to because some of the people that haven't seen it, I want them to go watch it. Yeah. But share with me the basically the whole concept, the scene of when, you know, they're you look at them and they're what are you guys doing? And it's yeah, fun, yeah. fresh salmon. And it's like yeah, it's yeah. freaking hilarious. Well, um you know, funny thing, being that the relationship I have with uh, the Farrelly brothers, you know, Pete has always told me years before this, uh, he was, he had that, you know, the Stooges was, was in the, in the, in the dialogue for a long time. It just kept getting delayed. It wasn't going to happen, might happen. And at one point they were going to have big celebrities, uh, you know, like they were going to have uh, uh, Antonio Banderas, I think, or uh, one of those guys playing Mo and um, not Banderas, what's the other guy's name? Uh, 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 it'll come to me, but then that you know they they were going to have uh, Jim Carrey as uh, as Mo or something like that, and then uh, Sean Penn as Larry, and then they ended up going with no names. And uh, but forever, Pete said, you know, you'd make a good Mo because at the time I had like thicker hair and it was you know like a, like a you know kind of I wore it almost like you know. Oh yeah, like, you'd be like a, yeah. So, so anyway, he said you should polish up on your Mo. So I started like working on it, and believe it or not. Uh, I came really close. If it wasn't for the guy that got Mo, I think I would have got it, and and uh, which was really uh, you know, you know, it was a tough, a tough, a tough pill to swallow because uh, it would it could have been really kind of cool. I could have made a lot of hay as a stand up comic as you know uh, Mo from the Three Stooges. And, yeah, it's I, that's actually one of my questions, and I think yeah. you're kind of answering it is as a comic, mm -hmm. and it literally was one of my like the depth of that character. And just being a part of Three Stooges, because obviously what you just shared, I had no yeah. knowledge of that you yeah. almost got it. But yeah. being part of that history and that, yeah. you know, how did that literally feel? Because that's like a 
Well, to me, for me, it was a, it was huge because I grew up as a huge Three Stooges fan. You know, uh, like way before I was even thinking about stand up. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, eight, nine, six, seven, eight years old, we used to come home from school and it would be on uh, Channel Thirty Eight in Boston, and it would be at like three in the afternoon after school. And I, you know, if you ran home, you'd catch it and be able to catch it. And those days, we used to have like a, you know, me and my buddies would just tape a, a tape recorder. You know, you could just for the audio, right. you could hear the slaps, and we used to tape it and just play it back and laugh. You know, like whatever. You know, you probably just hit rewind. I'll get that bit. I'll get that. Yeah, bit. yeah. And, and <laughs> just you know, but but that was like, I mean, to me, that was the Stooges was like unbelievable. So when he was doing that, I was like, oh my god. And as a consolation, I said, look, Pete, you know, it killed me not to get Mo, but. At least let me get doinked in the eyes, you know, by Mo. And sure enough, they let me get poked in the eyes um, yep. during my scene with him, you know. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great scene. I encourage everybody to watch it because it's really well. I'm a fan, anyways, of yeah. what you do. But I love the. <laughs> it's like I forget what the line was. Of course, of course, we're selling farm fresh salmon. You know, what I mean, on a country club. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so outlandish and so over the top, goofy and uh, ludicrous that that is funny, and that's what the Stooges was. And I thought, I thought they did a great job. The movie didn't, unfortunately, do as well as it should have, and uh, there's a lot of, I guess, reasons for that. But uh, I thought they did a great job of keeping it real and keeping it true to the to the Stooges, uh, you know, uh, you know their uh, sensibilities and what they do, you know, during you know all the three Stooges, you know, episodes, you know. Yeah. The who's on first. And I mean, give me a break. You know I mean? The whole thing is, yeah. It, I love, and, and again, here you are in a golf environment, right? Yeah. Because yeah. did it play into the character at all? Because you, I mean, or you just, they, they just chose you because they wanted you. No, he just, it was a part that he, you know, it was kind of a consolation part, you know, I mean, obviously I was pretty crestfallen that it came so close to getting Mo and then, you know, the kid did, the guy did a great job. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't have beaten him. I mean, he was, he was perfect. And, um, you know, matter of fact, I had a lot of conversations with Pete over it because, you know, he did he had done like a lot of like he was Mo for a lot of like conventions. He's, you know, he's been kind of it was like a kind of a little, uh, you know, hobby for him almost. The guy that got the part, Chris, I think his name is and, uh, a nice guy, by the way. And and so at any rate, you know, I, I told Pete, I said, Pete, I, I, you know, I said, I realized that, you know, if this kid's a 10 and he was, you know, on a scale of one to 10, as far as being Mo, I said, I said, I realized that I have to be at least a, a, an eight and a half, nine for you to, you know, even think about me because of, uh, you know, just because of our relationship, you know, I mean, you're out of the, you know, and Pete goes, Jack, he goes, uh, he goes, the, the, he goes, you were a, a, a nine. He goes, but the problem was he was an 11, you know, and that's what I know. And he said, <laughs> okay. And he said, he goes, look, and Pete, one thing Pete does is he's so, you know, he has a good sense of like what's just and right. And he said, look, it would be criminal for this kid not to get this part. And he said, you know, that it wouldn't be right in the universe. Like, I mean, you know, this, I agreed a hundred percent. I said, look, yeah. I don't want to be the person that because of my connections and somehow I, I, I weasel my way in and he gets kicked. I wouldn't feel good about that. A, as much as I trust me, I thought of it. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's a good I, thing. I, you I wouldn't, literally... good as a human, I wouldn't feel good as a human being to, you know, done that, you know, as much as I could have, you know, used right. the gig and it would have been changing to me, but uh, yeah, I couldn't argue with him. How about that? It's, you know? it's a good thing. You have a sense of humor. Cause you could imagine if you were on a date and it wasn't, it wasn't Peter telling you that you're like, well, what about the other one? Well, you were, you know, you were a nine and she yeah, was exactly. a nine, whatever, you know, it's like, and look, be... a nine was, I was, that's a compliment. Cause I thought, I, you know, I did really, I, I worked hard on that audition 
but again, there was no overcoming how good that guy was. I mean, he was like, have you, you know, used like said, that, any of that? I, I haven't had it. I have never seen you on the road. Have you used any of that on your road stuff? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, it's funny. I don't do a lot. I mean, a lot of my stuff is from my life, but I don't do a lot of autobiographical stuff in my act. And for some reason, I, I don't know why, I, I, as some comics do, a lot of the stuff that I guess in my life, I don't find necessarily funny. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't come out of me as like, oh, that's something I should make. You know, I guess it, I don't see the funny in it. Although so many times I've told stories and people like you say, oh my God, you get to tell that on stage. That's funny. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. It just, I, I there's things that make me laugh. I have to do stuff that makes me laugh for me to really sell it as a comedian, I guess. And, and if it's, if it doesn't seem funny to me, you know, as far as like, if I don't think the audience would really give a shit about this, I, you know, as much as yeah, it's hard interesting, you know, yeah. I mean, I guess this is interesting fodder for a podcast, but you know, if I'm trying to make people laugh, I'm not sure how funny it would be me. You know, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a part of what I obviously didn't know, but are you okay with, the movie roles and everything you do that just being a comedian in there? Uh, you know, I like doing more, something a little more challenging. Uh, again, I'm also, you know, I'm kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, um, I don't have any illusions of like how good I am. I mean, I think I'm a decent actor, but there are a lot better actors than me. And I don't, I don't think, you know, uh, sometimes I might not warrant, uh, being a, a, a bigger, you know, crazy big role. I mean, I think I could do it if someone was, you know, give me the part, whatever. But I, I think I'm better at being more of an ensemble guy, you know what I mean, a character actor guy. I mean, I think I could, you know, I mean, obviously if I got a sitcom, like, and everybody loves Raymond and stuff, you know, I, mean, I think I could pull it off, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying, sure. I don't well, it myself. Well, really, it really alludes to, you know, it's as, a, as an actor, yeah. you know, you always want to be, capable of doing more yeah, but when you've got a niche and let's yeah. just put it this way when you're casting your cast you're a perfect fit because yeah you know, like playing opposite of kevin james i think there was a lot of talent there and you did yeah. mall cop you did mall cop too right i did mall cop one yeah there was a mall cop two which i didn't do but i did mall cop one and i did uh here comes the boom with kevin yes and then and then you had a lot of a lot of appearances on you know the king of queens yeah the king of queens he gave me a book on art forgery i found myself drawn to these old masters how did these artists take paint from a palette arrange it on a canvas i began to unlock the secrets I was a storehouse of knowledge of how to create an illusion, present it to a experienced expert, manipulate his mind, and convince him and bring him to the inevitable conclusion that the painting is genuine. We flooded the market with my paintings, and I couldn't believe what I did. I couldn't believe it. Then the dominoes started falling, and eventually the FBI were led to my door. They uncovered a mountain of evidence against me. But they never actually got you. At this point, you've sold a lot. You've got like a million dollars in cash. You sold <laughs> one painting for 717000 
why did it go away? Why did you never get indicted? And how are we having this conversation? <laughs> I guess that's the greatest story of all. To hear how Ken Perenni made millions in art forgery, dodged the mafia and the FBI, subscribe to The Jordan Harbinger Show and check out episode 282 in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. I always wondered what it's like to be playing a comedian, well, playing a funny guy with people that are super funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's usually, you know, for me, it's like always like, I think the funnier, the better. And, you know, the, the more talented people around you, funny wise, for me, it's always better. And, you know, some comedians don't like to like have like uh, real funny guys open for them, for instance. And I always thought the, the, the best, the funniest guy in front of me is great is because he, he's, he's getting the crowd in a great mood. You know what I mean? I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I welcome that. You know what I mean? Um, so as far as uh, sharing, uh, 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 you know, a movie or a, a TV show, uh, sharing the uh, camera with, with uh, funny guys, I, I, I welcome it. You know, it, it makes you better. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, if you look at Loudermilk, I mean, Brian Regan is one of the funniest comics out there. He's a buddy of mine. And uh, Brian and I play off each other. And, and I, you know, I, I love that. I mean, that's like I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any, any other way. Well, I remember, you know, it sounds like working with, you know, I remember working with Wayne Brady for the first time I ever did. And it was like we had this thing where we had a we had a we, it was like I got more out of him. Yeah. Watching him do his thing and raise my game with what I did and he his improvisational skills. So I guess that's kind of what I was getting as like, can can that environment elevate your ability to become a better actor in the comedic environment because you're not by yourself. You're not doing a stand-up alone. You know, you're, yeah. you're working with it. So I appreciate you actually yeah. sharing that. Yeah, um, it's a more of a, a collaborative thing. You know, as a comedian, you're always it's just you and you, you know, I mean, you have yeah. to, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, comedians are pretty used to that. And, you know, that's what makes it so scary to uh, lay people, I guess. But, um, you know, uh, once you, you know, comfortable with it, it's, you know, it's fine. You know what I mean? But sure. uh, it is nice to have, you know, like I know, I always think when it's, when it's tough and you're, you know, you're not doing great, you know, it's a tough crowd or whatever situation, it would be great to have someone else that you could kind of play off of or look at or anything, you know, you're kind of, it's the loneliest job in the world, a comedian, you know, when you're up there. Well, it's certainly when you get to the point and the level that you're at, when you're doing a, when you're doing a, a location and a gig and you've got people coming in to see you because they love you versus yeah. trying to prove yourself. It's like, yeah. and, and you know, that's, that's what time does. It gets to the point yeah. where you become really good and like yeah. you are and you're, you know, you can just expand off of that. Um, yeah. Let's talk about golf a little bit. Um, yeah. Because did you, did you play golf your whole life? No, uh, but uh, I played like, I probably started around, uh, you know, 10, 11 years old. You know, I think I had my first lesson maybe around that time. And, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, and my dad, you know, used to golf. And then but I was, as a matter of fact, I remember I was so young that my first set of clubs was uh, a set of women's clubs because in those days they didn't make like small clubs, you know, like, you know, we didn't nowadays they get like my kids when they were growing up and my daughters had clubs that were, you know, two feet long, like they had, they're made, you know, for kids. And uh, sure. they didn't have that when I was a kid. So they either had to cut down a club or do something, you know, creative, but I had women's uh women's clubs i remember and they were like a little lighter and you know uh, whatever easily easier to ha handle you know yeah and then uh i started you know but uh but i played you know for a long time and i didn't play real seriously until i moved out here i moved out here in 1995 in california 
and you get to play year round, as you know. So I got to really, you know, play. And as a comedian, you know, you get some free time. You know, I mean, I got days free. You know, so. Well, and uh, you've done you you you're out there on that you know the the circuit and everything, yeah. and, and it's you can play as much or as little as you want, and there's great pick and choose yeah. events. Yeah. For me, that for me, I was looking at the golf side of it because you know as a golfer and love the game and uh, you know, another great commercial that you did with Phil Mickelson. Oh yeah. 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 That's a fun, that was a fun commercial. Yeah. Yeah. How did that, how'd you get that gig? Uh, that was Peter Farley too. Peter. Oh uh, my God. Peter, he he is on your VIP to, list, right? But I wasn't supposed to have that part. Uh, they had, I was just supposed to be one of the guys just there, you know, one of the, one of the playing partners and just kind of like, uh, hanging out you know which um but what happened was the guy that was doing the part i ended up getting he wasn't uh it wasn't that he wasn't doing a good job of it they for, for whatever reason the product people uh weren't enthused about it and and pete goes jackie why don't you go give it a shot you know because he knows because it was it was more of a comedy piece kind of too you know sure. like the timing of it and uh so i did it i gave my take and they they liked it and so i ended up they ended up switching us and i ended up having that part so that was well, very fun a little foot wedge never hurt anybody, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, any any thoughts on um, Mr. Mickelson and the landscape of golf right now? On you know just some challenging moments, right? Yeah, I, I really don't know exactly. Matter of fact, I golfed. A buddy of mine is Jim Furyk, and uh, Jim and I played golf this past. I went down to this uh, tournament in uh, Jacksonville for uh, Kevin Rahm, the actor. You know the uh, the, the Rahm event. Yeah, I actually. Unfortunately, couldn't make it. I got invited down, and I saw that you played at TPC Sawgrass. Yeah, we played it there, but I got to play. I came in at, at Thursday night. They had the uh, you know the songwriters thing Thursday night, but Friday we had our day free to do whatever you want. Uh, you know, you, we didn't have any obligations for the for the tournament. So I had called Jim Furyk uh, about a week or so prior, knowing I was coming down, and I said, "Hey, you want to get together and uh, play on Friday?" So he, he was uh, nice enough to take me out at the there's a private course next to tpc sawgrass called sawgrass country club it's not the tpc sawgrass sure and uh but anyway we played and uh he was telling me about he, he said the same thing he, he doesn't really know what went down with that uh but he must have, he said something you know that he he didn't know i guess the guy that interviewed him is known as not being uh he's kind of an unsavory fellow and uh well, it's and, not even you know i don't know if it's necessarily what what down is what 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 hasn't stopped and yeah yeah and you know, I think there's a lot of unfairness in that. In this, you know, the, you know, this, you know, eventually this, you know, the, the cancel slash, you know, microscope console. But for me, it's like, you know, when you work like you did and you build a relationship with people like that, you know, it's, it's all a part of what's going on in the landscape. Yeah. So it'll it'll flush itself out. But I know you're I know you love the game and yeah yeah. Uh, um. So we talked about louder milk. Let's just talk about because we'll finish up here. Uh, your tour and your your stand up. Like, how many yeah. cities will you do this year? You uh, know, I, I'm trying to do as much as I can because with the pandemic, you know, I went a long time without working, and uh, you know, those bills they keep coming. <laughs> so, <laughs> amen. I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, as a comedian, you know, I get the worst gig for this uh, pandemic. I need an audience, you know. So that was uh, kind of obviously a challenge, and um, so now I'm trying to take as many gigs as I can. But again, it's you can only do so much, and you can only, uh, you know, you, you can only. Uh, I'm trying to put myself out there and get, you know, uh, you know. Fortunately, I have some stuff. 
a lot of stuff booked, you know. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, got a couple irons in the fire, some other stuff that uh, I'm not at liberty to talk about right this second, but I got some good That's stuff okay. going, hopefully. Yeah. Any, anything on the landscape of movies or things that might be happening? Uh, nothing movie-wise, but I do have a, a TV show that I'm uh, think we're trying to uh, in the awesome. of de developing something right now. So That's awesome. Yeah. Um, any upcoming dates right now across the country? That uh, I'm going, you know, I'm doing a couple of shows. I'm doing a, uh, where am I going? I'm going to be in Boston in uh, June. Uh, I got some gigs uh, back east in Boston and Cape Cod. And then uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm doing something in Maryland. I'm going to be doing a couple of gigs in the Virginia, Maryland area. And can people find this on your website at JackieFlynn.com? Uh, you know, you, you would think they would be able to, but again, me being a technophobe and being so woefully inept at all that, uh, I, I don't even know how to update my damn thing. My, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say my, I got a new website that just was under development. And then uh, the guy that did it, uh, I have to actually call him to try to figure out. He, he's, he keeps, I keep threatening to, you know, do it and, and, and say, look, how do I access this? But I'm, I'm so horrible at it that you know he'll tell me and then i'll totally forget and then i'm and so it's it's woefully under uh under updated i guess is the, the answer to your question so uh th there's nothing on there right now that would tell them where it is and this is more of a, a private type thing like a corporate type show so it wouldn't really be yeah uh, you've done a lot of uh corporate engagements um and event entertainment which i think is yeah. perfect for that and i think that's you know at the end of the day you've done an incredible job at expanding your career yeah. off of, of what you love to do. And I think yeah. that's, that's incredible. I mean, yeah, I got lucky with that. I'm sure the Farley brothers have had a few thank you gifts, but along the way, <laughs> yeah, but, um, they've, they've really helped me a lot. And, um, you know, yeah. Uh, now are you working this weekend out at, uh, I'm assuming you're going to the, uh, Indianapolis 500. I am going, yes. I'm not working. I'm going there. And then, uh, uh, I'm going to be there and then I come back and then I got to go to, uh, I got a charity golf tournament I do in Maryland that I tied, tied in with a couple of these gigs I was just mentioning to you. And then I'm going to go to a Steve Azar's event down in, uh, in, uh, yeah, I love Steve. Delta. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. great down in the, the Mississippi Delta. Yeah. 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 Looking That's awesome. That. And, uh, but you know, I just try to keep, you know, for me, it's like a dream gig doing, you know, golf type things and, or, you know, doing performing at it. Like I, I play in a lot, I perform at a lot of member guest tournaments. Like they're, they're stag night where you got a bunch, it's right in my wheelhouse, you know, guys hanging out, drinking scotch, having a cigar and golf, you know, and I just do some stand up. It's uh it's pretty much, you know, a dream well, I'm gig. Sure you, I'm sure you've learned the therapeutic approach from louder milk. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jackie, thanks for coming on, man. I tell you what, I'm so excited. I, I love you as a friend and you're a great guy and one of the best guys out there. So no, uh, thanks, David. I appreciate it, man. And uh, I hope you have fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me.